Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of State of the Plate. Uh, we're happy to have you join us uh, for an extra episode. Every now and then we get an opportunity to talk to really interesting people doing really cool stuff in the world of food and ag, and today is no different. So we're here with Scott Marshall, Vice President of Development and Communications for Feeding America, uh, Eastern Wisconsin chapter. We're really happy to have them. That organization is doing some really cool stuff, especially this time of year. It's a special month for, for their organization and for uh, for everyone involved in, in helping stomp out hunger. Uh, so welcome, Scott. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, for having uh, me join you. You said us, but I see that empty chair next to you. So little disappointed that I only get you today, Brandon, but we'll make it work. Yeah, sorry about that. I did just instinctively say us because usually I have my, uh, <laughs> my co-host and companion, Rochelle Ripschnod. She was unable to make it into the studio this time around, but she sends her best regards and she's super, uh, she's super sad. She'll have to listen to this podcast like, like the rest of the world, but, uh, I'm happy to be here and and we'll make it work. So thanks again. Yeah. Sounds Um, great. Yeah. Let's, let's just dive into, dive into it from the beginning, you know, tell us a little bit about Feeding America, who you guys are, what you do, you know, your impact to this point. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing that I, I like to talk about when I talk about what we do here at Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin is what are we? We're a food bank. So when you think about a food bank, we're a part of the hunger system. And our part really is to support food pantries, meal sites, homeless shelters who do the direct service. The What you're picturing when you think about putting that can in a box is really you're picturing a pantry, maybe part of a church, maybe part of a school, maybe freestanding, where people who are food insecure, and need that assistance will go to bring back, you know, maybe a box or two of food or a bag of food. Maybe if somebody is homeless or needs help, they'll be going there for a meal. Those are the people that we support. Now, the food bank's role, which is to kind of really be underneath and making sure that those great organizations are able to help folks in uh, their community, is we are able to source food at in mass quantities in bulk and be able to provide that to them free of charge. So that's a food bank's role is really kind of acting as a hub or a clearinghouse to be able to get the amount of food that is needed to be able to infuse into the communities and then being able to get them out through those shelters or those pantries. One of the things that I think is important to talk about, and you touched on it a little bit, Brandon, is the name of our food bank is Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. It's a bit of a mouthful. And we're a member of the Feeding America Network. So what is what does that mean? What is the difference there? Feeding America is a network of 200 food banks across the nation. Every single county is covered by a food bank that chooses to be a member of the Feeding America Network. A lot of times when you think about a national organization, you think of it kind of being top down. They might have a headquarters in a larger city, New York, D.C., Chicago, and then they kind of will say place outposts or regional offices or state offices or local offices. And those are really an extension of that national office. Feeding America being a network kind of works backwards. We choose to be a part of that network. They work with us. We cover those 35 counties. They're able to say those 35 counties on the eastern half of Wisconsin are covered. We benefit being a part of the relationship, you know, not the least of it that they're in our name. 
and the relationships that we get by working with 199 other food banks collaboratively. But we are still independent. We're just part of a network that where the other food banks work collaboratively, collaboratively, where in a mission of solving hunger, the only way you really are going to be able to get there is to be collaborative. And so mm -hmm. very grateful to be a part of the Feeding America network. So for us, when we're talking about being a local food bank, that's why it's so important that we always say Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. And even internally, we're constantly kind of like, hey, gotcha, got to say Eastern Wisconsin because Feeding America is a, is a huge national organization with a headquarters in Chicago. That's not us. We're here in Milwaukee. We're here in Appleton. And we're the local food bank. Cool. And you said earlier you're able to source food in bulk. And can you talk about what are some of those sources? Where Where's the food coming in from? Oh, absolutely. Food banking has really gotten a lot more sophisticated over the last couple of decades. You know, you would think about back in the day, uh, food basically came through, say, food drives at your school or your church, or maybe a grocery store would, would donate some food or a producer would donate some food. And that's really kind of where food would come from. For us, last year, we were able to provide 33 million pounds of food to our 400 partners across the 35 counties to be able to cover and be able to keep that that security net intact. And we have to be creative with the ways that we are able to source food. One of the main ways that we source food is we work with retail partners. So think about anywhere that you shop for food, we have a relationship where they donate food on a weekly basis to either us directly at the food bank or we work closely with local community partners that we work with, mostly pantries, who will connect with that grocery store and they will pick up the food directly without it having to go through the food bank. And that way, things like produce, dairy, or meat has um, a little extra time in the hands of the folks who get it out to the people who need it and are able to do that a lot quicker. So that's one of the ways. So, you know, pick and save, Sendex, Target, Walmart, Meyer, Woodman's. I'm sure I'm at festival. Any of the grocery stores that you go to, we have a relationship with and we, we pick up food from them. Um, another way that we do it is that we purchase it. One of the ways that we're able to ensure that we always have in stock some of the staples instead of relying on what is chosen to be donated is our ability to be able to purchase food, which is what part of my department's role is in fundraising is being able to raise money to buy truckloads of food. So if we ha decide that we need to always have peanut butter on hand, you know, that's a little bit more of an expensive item for a food bank, actually. Mm -hmm. But um, that's something we always want to make sure because it's a great protein. We could have food drives. We could rely on donations. But then we wouldn't be able to control what's always available to our 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 network. And so there are some items that we always make sure that we purchase, whether it's pasta and pasta sauce. Rice is a big one that we often purchase because it's a very flexible carb. It's used in a lot of cultural uh, dishes and it, it works in a lot of different ways. And it's also small and it's easy to store. Mm -hmm. uh, peanut butter as another example. And then some perishable items that wouldn't ordinarily be necessarily donated and you can't hold the food drive for, like purchasing milk, purchasing turkeys for Thanksgiving, purchasing hams. Those are things that we have to purchase. So those are two of the two of the ways that we're able to source food. We also have a program called FarmLink where we will work with local Wisconsin farmers. Oh, and what we do is we underwrite their planting, their growing, and their harvesting of acres of food that they didn't ordinarily plan to do, but they do it for the people that we serve. And it's a really great program for a couple of different reasons. One is that it's the best kind of produce. It's like farm fresh. It's at the beginning of its life when we get it and we're able to get it through our partners and back to the people that we serve. But the other thing is that we're supporting local farms. You know, yeah. Farmers are having a really tough go of it. And for us to be able to 
upfront be able to pay all the costs they're going to incur occur over the course of that acre or those two acres that they're going to be planting for us allows them to be able to feel comfortable that they're not going to have to figure out how they're going to be able to sell it. They know that we're the buyer and we're going to be receiving that food. And so FarmLink is a really great way that we're able to, that we're able to help serve folks. Um, another way is we do uh, work with the government on some commodity programs in a couple of the counties, something called TFAP, the Emergency Food Assistance Program. TFAP exists to be able to purchase food from farmers to be able to keep prices consistent instead of fluctuating. And in the, it's a way to be able to support farmers. If they have an overage, they're not going to actually lose money because the price is going to go down because of supply and demand. And so the government will purchase that and then work with uh, food banks to receive the food and then be able to distribute it. And that's another source of our food. Another, I could go on, Brandon. Please do. Uh, please do. But, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on, I'm like edge of my seat here. This is good stuff. Okay. Well, I'll keep going then. Um, <laughs> another way that we source food is we buy it in bulk or we get it donated in bulk. So food items that you think about that don't have what we'll call a kill step, which is cooking, um, cereal, granola, things like that. We will get that in, they will be in cones that are like nine feet tall, huge. Um, and they'll either be donated or it'll be like pennies on the dollar for us to be able to purchase that. And then we'll have volunteers come in and they will bag it into, you know, an appropriate size bake for a family. And so we will have constantly volunteers come in, mostly in our Appleton area. That's just what we're set up to do. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll bulk those bag that, that we'll bag that bulk food to be able to get it out to the people that we serve. Now, the food that has uh, what we call a kill step, which means cooking like pasta, rice, or dried beans. We have what's called a clean room in our Appleton area, which has a lot of specific OSHA safety features that it has to follow. Everyone who goes in there wears a hairnet and they wear a white coat, but we also get a lot of that donated and we're able to bag that and be able to get that out uh, to people in need. Another way is donations from producers. We are able to work with local producers to donate food on a consistent basis. One producer, I would say, I'm not entirely sure I can say who they are because what they donate to us means that there's a little something wrong with it where it's like one ounce too large or mm -hmm. there's like, you know, it, it's off on whatever standards they have, but it's perfectly good food. We get frozen pizza donated every Friday, which is a phenomenal thing because that's like lunch right there for a family. Kids will eat it. Yeah, um, and we get regular donations from them. We get donations from Seneca Foods, from Del Monte of canned vegetables and fruits. And we're able to utilize that and get that out to, to folks in need as well. So um, I could go on. The great thing is knowing that there are a lot of different ways for people who want to help feed the hungry and there are a lot of different ways that we're able to source food to be able to do that you know and i didn't even mention food drives yeah. food drives whether it's buying some food and on the way out of the grocery store you'll find our boxes at most grocery stores local community partners will be responsible for picking up that food and that way it does we're not a middle person we're not in the way they can simply pick it up they just volunteer to do those pickups and then they pick it up and bring it back to mm -hmm. uh, their food pantry or like i said schools churches orgs businesses anybody who wants to host a food drive and do good we have boxes we can get you we can set up an online donation portal just for your um, organization or business so that you can track your giving and have a goal we do everything we can to remove the barrier between someone who has an interest in helping feed the hungry and how they can do it. That's amazing. So just curious, and you know, if it's not something you want to talk about, that's fine too. But for the, for the items that you do have to purchase, and of course, like any other organization, you have overhead, you have salaries mm -hmm. to pay, you know, all that. How, where do you guys get funding? Is it mostly donations or, or how do you get, get the, the cost it takes to run your organization? 
most of our revenue is generated through contributions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say this year our revenue budget has about 80% that is tied to specifically contributions uh, made through my department, whether it's grants or corporate sponsorships or corporate gifts, individuals. You know, some folks get that mailer in the mail and they send a check in, or whether you're on Facebook and you give to a Facebook giving portal. There are a lot of different ways to give, and um, most of how we're able to cover the you know, the cost of operation, being able to get this food in, food out, it's mostly done through contributions. Okay. Some of it has come through comes through government grants that are associated with programs that we're a part of as well. And there are some other miscellaneous ways. Like we have our own endowment that does dividends to us. We have investments that help kind of help run the organization. But for the most part, it's contributions like given by people like you and me making a gift to help feed their community. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to know that because we'll get into, you know, how people can help in a little mm-hmm. bit. But just knowing that is is super important that that's a huge part of how awesome organizations like yours, you know, are able to do a lot of the things they do. But before we go on a little bit about, you know, what you guys are doing, and uh, I think it's important for people to understand the impact food insecurity has even locally here. I think a lot of people think of like, hey, you know, uh, third world countries and those places are places that deal with hunger and, and, you know, it hits a little bit closer to home. So can you just talk about in general, like the impact of food insecurity, the amount of people who are, who are looking for, you know, places to get their meals, exactly what kind of impact is it having here locally? Yeah, absolutely. One of the great reasons to be a part of the Feeding America Network is a lot of the data and metrics that they're able to harvest that we as a local food bank would have a really hard time being able to do that. There's a website called Map the Meal Gap that I would, anybody who has an interest in uh, data-driven information, especially about hunger, uh, it's phenomenal. It has it broken down whether you want it to be nationwide, by state, by county, and then it will break it down by, you know, adult uh, child, senior, there, there's a lot of different demographics. And so in preparation for this, I pulled some numbers. And so in this case right now, the numbers that we have are 2021 because we're always gathering the data and then crunching it, if you will. And in Milwaukee County, it was about one in 10 individuals uh, were food insecure and one in five children were food insecure. So for individuals, it was a little less than 100,000 people just in Milwaukee County. Our service area is eastern Wisconsin. It's the 35 counties on the eastern half of the state. That number is a little less than 300,000 people who are food insecure, meaning that they live at a level below poverty where being able to take care of their own basic needs is a challenge and they would have to rely on services like those that are provided by our our Solve Hunger Network. Uh, so it is it is fairly significant. One of the things I talk about often is hidden hunger. People don't usually wear a shirt saying that I'm having trouble. They don't put their hand up when they're at church or when they're dropping their kid off at school and saying like, I'm really not sure how I'm gonna make ends meet. And um, one of the exercises I often will do when I'm talking with a donor is to say, how many paychecks would you have to lose before you would realize that you're in trouble? You know, Mm -hmm. and um, usually if people start doing the math in the head, it comes up a lot faster than you realize based on the, uh, you know, the quality of life that you're expecting and the mortgage that you are able to currently pay for your house or for, um, you know, your car note or paying for your kid to have a car and just kind of the basic quality of life that you have. And then to think, okay, well, if I lost four paychecks, I would be dipping deeply into my savings, you know? And so folks who, uh, especially during COVID had their jobs eliminated or hours reduced, and we're not expecting that. And we're living maybe in Wauwatosa, you know, or Brookfield, and they had a quality of life that their job afforded them and allowed them to be able to do. And then that went away. You know, there's a, a safety net for everyone. You know, you can't tell what hunger looks like where it lives 
or what circumstances put someone into that situation where they need help. And so it's something I always like to talk about because people feel like they can, you know, picture what it looks like. And you really can't. It could be people in your neighborhood. You know, your neighbor might might be having a hard time for whatever reason, you know. Uh, medical bills is another reason where you find people end up having to rely on the support of our networks. So one of the things that that I think is very interesting to talk about is the numbers I just gave you were in 2021. So I think anybody doing math in our head would say to themselves, well, that's COVID. Uh, that time was right down the middle of COVID. And I brought numbers with me that are from 2019, where we could safely say COVID is not touching those numbers. And the numbers were actually higher before COVID. And they oh, were really? during COVID. Um, so the Milwaukee County numbers I have here is uh, 12% food insecurity, about 115,000 people in Milwaukee County. And then it was one in four kids. And uh, that always will get people's attention because we all know that what some of the things that I shared during COVID, people, especially jobs were affected. You know, people had to stay home from uh, work because their kids were home from school. There was childcare issues that came up that had a lot of costs associated with it. And so the initial reaction and the need did increase, but... The thing is that a lot of different levers were pulled, especially on the government side, to help support the people who needed help. And that actually helped reduce the amount of people that we were seeing that needed help. For example, the stimulus checks, child care tax credit. We got a lot more support into the food pantry network, a food that was infused into the network by something called a trade mitigation program, where the government was buying even more food from farmers and they were not able to sell it overseas because we were having some tariff issues. That food was staying in the United States and then that was being distributed by food banks to people who were in need. We created a program, uh, it was a national program called Farmers to Families, where it was boxes of farm fresh produce, meat, dairy, and the whole thing. We we distributed thousands of those during COVID with drive-through drive-through pickups. So I will say it was a lot of work, but the support that was provided that has been pulled away as we've come out of COVID, which has resulted in an increase again in need, um, actually helped take care of folks. Um, SNAP benefits were increased. Food share, uh, the dollar amount that people were able to receive for food share was increased. College loan paybacks were halted. There were a lot of things that provided relief for people who really could use it. And that actually resulted during COVID. And although some people might have been new to needing help, there were a lot more options for them that kept them comfortable. Uh, but it worked so well, we stopped doing it. And so coming out of COVID, um, a lot of those extension and increase in food share benefits, those box programs, they all kind of went back to pre-COVID levels. And so the numbers are coming back up towards pre-COVID levels again with us being out of the pandemic. That's a bummer. I, we, uh, we pay a lot of attention on this podcast to the farm bill that's coming mm -hmm. up. Then they're, they're, they're going through negotiations right now. They missed their deadline on the plan. Is that something you guys keep an eye on too? Is like, cause you mentioned snap. I know that that's not necessarily something you guys are involved in, but like, does that impact feeding America at all or feeding America, Eastern Wisconsin? You know, what gets decided in that farm bill? Yeah. The farm bill is intensely important to anybody who works on food insecurity. Feeding America is the largest nonprofit in the United States, but honestly, the strong anti-hunger organization is the United States government. The farm bill being passed and having as much robust support to help feed the hungry is 
incredibly important part of what we do. And a lot of our planning is based around what is going to be included and what ends up getting removed in the farm bill. Uh, Feeding America, the national organization, has lobbyists and in an advocacy department that works with creating relationships with elected officials to understand and help tell the story about what the results would be if something gets added on a positive side or if something gets reduced, how it will actually affect people who are in need. On the local level here at Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin, we have relationships with elected officials um, in Madison and locally, and we have an advocacy team whose role is to help train any citizen on how they can interact with their elected official. Elected officials work for you. And so, and a lot of folks feel like there's a distance or there's something a little bit scary about interacting with an elected official. And so, uh, whether you go to our website and there is a, an opportunity to send a letter supporting the farm bill to your elected officials, which is something that you can do through our Feeding Wisconsin website, uh, we have something that's pre-populated and you just simply put in your address and it will automatically choose your elected officials so they receive your voice where you say, this matters to me. We will sometimes even pull together people to go to Madison to have conversations with elected officials that we set up in advance to be able to show them that people who are in their district care about this and that it matters to them. Because if you get enough people together telling an elected official that you want something, they have to listen to you. Yeah, that's uh, that's important. I think a lot of people forget, like you said, that they work for us. Yes. We, we need to get we need to get in their ear yeah. about this. Use stuff your voice. Absolutely, important. use yep. your voice. If it's loud enough, they can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a lot of partners that you have in that area, and we talk a lot about partnerships in the food system and how important they are to get really anything done. Is there any other partnerships that are important to you guys to to fulfill your mission? You know what's something that I should have mentioned when we were talking about how we source food that I really love is something called the Choice System that is um, a collaborative network of trading food between the 200 Feeding America food banks, which is, again, another one of the ways that collaboration is a better way instead of competition to be able to help uh, solve hunger. And the way that that works is if you're a Feeding America food bank, you can fundraise and you can source food and you can create partnerships within your area, but not outside of your area. So, So for example, I'm in Milwaukee and we represent, you know, the 35 counties on Eastern half, but Madison is a different food bank. So I can't go to Epic and ask them to fundraise and vice versa madison wouldn't be able to go to say uh northwestern mutual and fundraise and that way we're not all crawling all over each other trying to get the same dollars and creating confusion for our donors but that's similar to um food that is produced and that we're able to source and when i mentioned earlier that pizza is something we actually are able to get in a lot of different ways Uh, it's also gold when you're trying to trade it to other food banks that don't have access to it. And so one of the things that we do often is we actually trade pizza for cereal with the Northern Illinois Food Bank. And we also trade um, trade pizza. And then we also trade canned vegetables for canned fruit from the Georgia Food Bank. And so you just simply put it online and then you get offers and then you just ship the food back and forth. And that way it's collaborative because different areas of the country are going to have a lot of a certain kind of product. And uh, that's just another way that people are coming together to be able to help support each other. Man, what a what an ingenious way to make the best use of resources, you know? Makes so much sense now that you said it, but I wouldn't have thought that that's like, uh, that you guys are so intelligently using that resource to, to put stuff where it needs to go. This month 
is Hunger Action Month for you guys. Mm-hmm. So it's really topical for us to be having this conversation. But tell us a little bit about Hunger Action Month, some of the special initiatives you may have going on and exactly what, what it all entails. Well, Hunger Action Month for us, we really... Um try to create an awareness. It's kind of a little bit of an awareness campaign in a, in a way for us to say thank you. Mm. Although the word action's in there, we have people who are acting to help support us 12 months out of the year. And so uh, what we do on social media and websites in here is that we will pick kind of the folks that are helping us out in a little bit of a special way. For example, there was a donor who challenged himself to uh, climb Grand Teton and supported mm. us in the process. And his name's Tony Drake. He And he had some great pictures from from up there on the mountain and so we posted a picture of that as like an example and an inspiration because we could go to a lot of the great supporters of ours that are a little bit of the usual suspects but some of the things that can sometimes inspire creativity and how people can help support us are the folks who do something that's a little bit outside of the box like that and so we like to be able to share our thanks and gratitude and some great stories for people throughout the course of hunger action month Uh, Another thing that we do in Hunger Action Month is we really focus on our volunteer program. In both our Appleton and our Milwaukee locations, we have volunteers that come in every single day. We have two shifts available every day, Monday through Friday, 9 to 1130 and 1 until 330. Because food constantly is coming in, especially from retailers and food drives, but it doesn't do anybody any good until it's sorted. And we we get rid of the weird stuff and we put the rest into categories or build boxes. And then we're able to put it online for our partners to be able to order. Over the course of last year, we had 36,000 volunteer hours donated between the two locations, and that's the equivalent of 17 full-time employees. So that just shows the value and the absolute need and our our complete gratitude for the people who choose to give their time as a donation, uh, because we could not run as a food bank. We could not hire 17 more people to do the work that these volunteers are doing. And so we highly recommend if you want to get involved, volunteering is a great way. We play music. We keep it upbeat. We have a lot of fun. We have really outgoing staff. And I'm confident anybody who comes to our locations in Milwaukee or Appleton will come back because they'll have an absolute blast. Otherwise, the ways to be able to help fight hunger are, I guess, boring. You know, make a donation online, host a food drive. You can volunteer your time. You can be an advocate. Rinse and repeat. Honestly, there are a lot of different ways to do it. But at the end of the day, you know, give your time, give funds, give food. And all of those things are things that will be able to help help feed your community. Yeah. Is there a website or something people can go to to make a donation or to sign up to be a volunteer locally for you guys? Yeah, we like to call our website as like the front porch of our food bank. Mm -hmm. So feedingamericawi.org. Everything you need is easy enough to get. In fact, on the top of the website, we have a button that says give help and a button that says get help. So if anybody needs help, we can provide, get them to their resources. If you want to give help, click that button. It'll get you to all the ways that you're able to make a donation and help support the mission to solve hunger. Well, thank you, Scott Marshall. I know you're busy over there uh, stomping out hunger and uh, we thank you for your time. And I, I know I learned so much and I'm inspired. So I hope everyone listening is too. Hopefully we get to talk to you again. Thanks. Scott. Absolutely. It was a total blast, Brandon. Thank you. Yeah. Take care. All right. That was Scott Marshall, uh, Vice President of Development and Communications for Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. They are doing such great work out there. We, you know, you heard him say, you know, what what the impact of uh, food insecurity is even locally here. So if you can help, please do help. Uh, that was feedingamericawi.org. He also mentioned the website Map the Meal Gap. 
And I don't know if that was a dot com or dot org, but Google it and just check it out because I think that's a really interesting way to learn about the problem that we're facing with food insecurity, even in our own backyards. So thank you guys all for listening into this special episode. We're going to be coming back with another one in just a short time. So stay tuned and as always, stay hungry. Stay hungry.